Chapter Twelve of the Alhambra: A Series of Tales and Sketches of the Moors and Spaniards by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The Adventure of the Mason. There was once upon a time a poor mason or bricklayer in Granada who kept all the saints' days and holy days and Saint Monday into the bargain, and yet with all his devotion he grew poorer and poorer and could scarcely earn bread for his numerous family one night he was roused from his first sleep by a knocking at his door he opened it and beheld before him a tall meagre cadaverous-looking priest hark ye honest friend said the stranger i have observed that you are a good christian and one to be trusted will you undertake a job this very night with all my heart senor padre on condition that i am paid accordingly that you shall be but you must suffer yourself to be blindfolded to this the mason made no objection so being hoodwinked he was led by the priest through various rough lanes and winding passages until they stopped before the portal of a house the priest then applied a key turned a creaking lock and opened what sounded like a ponderous door. They entered, the door was closed and bolted, and the mason was conducted through an echoing corridor and spacious hall to an interior part of the building. Here the bandage was removed from his eyes, and he found himself in a patio, or court, dimly lighted by a single lamp. In the center was a dry basin of an old Moorish fountain, under which the priest requested him to form a small vault, bricks and mortar being at hand for the purpose. He accordingly worked all night, but without finishing the job. Just before daybreak the priest put a piece of gold into his hand, and, having again blindfolded him, conducted him back to his dwelling. "'Are you willing,' said he, "'to return and complete your work? gladly senor padre provided i am as well paid well then to-morrow at midnight i will call again he did so and the vault was completed now said the priest you must help me to bring forth the bodies that are to be buried in this vault the poor mason's hair rose on his head at these words he followed the priest with trembling steps into a retired chamber of the mansion expecting to behold some ghastly spectacle of death but was relieved on perceiving three or four portly jars standing in one corner they were evidently full of money and it was with great labor that he and the priest carried them forth and consigned them to their tomb the vault was then closed the pavement replaced and all traces of the work obliterated. The mason was again hoodwinked and led forth by a route different from that by which he had come. After they had wandered for a long time through a perplexed maze of lanes and alleys, they halted. The priest then put two pieces of gold into his hand. Wait here, said he, until you hear the cathedral bell toll from matins. If you presume to uncover your eyes before that time, evil will befall you. So saying, he departed. 
The mason waited faithfully, amusing himself by weighing the gold pieces in his hand and clinking them against each other. The moment the cathedral bell rung its matin peal, he uncovered his eyes and found himself on the banks of the Henil, from whence he made the best of his way home and revelled with his family for a whole fortnight on the profits of his two nights' work, after which he was as poor as ever. He continued to work a little and pray a good deal, and keep holy days and saints' days from year to year, while his family grew up as gaunt and ragged as a crew of gypsies. As he was seated one morning at the door of his hovel, he was accosted by a rich old curmudgeon who was noted for owning many houses and being a griping landlord. The man of money eyed him for a moment from beneath a pair of shagged eyebrows. "'I am told, friend, that you are very poor.' "'There is no denying the fact, Signor. It speaks for itself.' I presume, then, you will be glad of a job, and will work cheap. As cheap, my master, as any mason in Granada. That's what I want. I have an old house fallen to decay that costs me more money than it is worth to keep it in repair, for nobody will live in it. So I must contrive to patch it up and keep it together at as small expense as possible. The mason was accordingly conducted to a huge deserted house that seemed going to ruin. Passing through several empty halls and chambers, he entered an inner court where his eye was caught by an old Moorish fountain. He paused for a moment. It seems, said he, as if I had been in this place before, but it is like a dream. Pray, who occupied this house formerly? pest upon him cried the landlord it was an old miserly priest who cared for nobody but himself he was said to be immensely rich and having no relations it was thought he would leave all his treasure to the church he died suddenly and the priests and friars thronged to take possession of his wealth but nothing could they find but a few ducats in a leathern purse the worst luck has fallen on me for since his death the old fellow continues to occupy my house without paying rent, and there's no taking the law of a dead man. The people pretend to hear at night the clinking of gold all night long in the chamber where the old priest slept, as if he were counting over his money, and sometimes a groaning and moaning about the court." Whether true or false, these stories have brought a bad name on my house, and not a tenant will remain in it. Enough, said the mason sturdily. Let me live in your house rent-free until some better tenant presents, and I will engage to put it in repair and quiet the troubled spirits that disturb it. I am a good Christian and a poor man, and am not to be daunted by the devil himself even though he come in the shape of a big bag of money. The offer of the honest mason was gladly accepted. He moved with his family into the house and fulfilled all his engagements. By little and little he restored it to its former state. 
The clinking of gold was no longer heard at night in the chamber of the defunct priest, but began to be heard by day in the pocket of the living mason. In a word, he increased rapidly in wealth to the admiration of all his neighbors, and became one of the richest men in Granada. He gave large sums to the church, by way, no doubt, of satisfying his conscience, and never revealed the secret of his wealth until on his deathbed to his son and heir. End of chapter 12